Welcome into the fifth down. I'm Jerome Sullivan, the Houston Chronicle sports columnist, joined by Jonathan Alexander, the beat writer for the Houston Texans with the Houston Chronicle. And the fifth down is all about the Texans. Rough day for them Sunday at home against the Cleveland Browns. They have two games remaining. What are their playoff chances? What are their injury prospects? Players who are in and out. They lost at one point uh, Sunday. They were playing without five defensive starters. And, of course, quarterback C.J. Stroud is out. We'll get all of that info from Jonathan and much more here on today's episode. First of all, though, Merry Christmas, Jonathan. How are you, sir? Merry Christmas, Jerome. I'm, I'm doing good. Glad to have at least one day of a break uh, in this crazy grind of a season. You call it one day a holiday for Christmas. <laughs> no, no team press conference, no team news. That that's a that's a vacation for you, basically. Now that's a vacation. I I swear it's been nonstop. But uh, but I'm I'm glad to be back and uh, ready to get this last two two games and see what happens. See if the Texans can make this playoff. Hey, uh, all work is work when you're doing what we do as journalists. But you've been covering a team with the Carolina Panthers before you came to uh the Chronicle that wasn't in any playoff hunts. And now you've got a team in the playoff. hunt. It's a little bit different uh, getting toward the end of the season because you're not writing about next year <laughs> or who's going to be back and who's not going to be back or what coach is going to get fired. You actually talk about the very next game. Exactly. Yeah. Usually you're writing about who, who are they going to draft in the first round by this time, looking at the prospects, not really worried about the last two games. And now, I think I've only written once, and that was a mailbag question people asked me. And, and so this is a, a good change-up. Uh, I, I kind of prefer this a little bit better to be right in the thick of it. So let's get it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let's let's go over the Browns' loss first of all before we dive into what's coming next for the Texans. And simply put, they were just manhandled across the board. They did not play well offensively or defensively. The long bright spot, I guess you could say, was a – a kickoff return, so special teams were not terrible. But uh, when you when you can't stop a team and you can't move the ball, you're not going to win much in the NFL. And at one point, they were down by the largest deficit they've had this season. Just not a good day for the Texans at all. Yeah, I, I would say it was their ugliest loss of the season. They just got straight demolished, embarrassed. I think it was even worse than the Jets' loss. Because even with the Jets' loss, at least it was 0-0 zero zero at halftime, and you knew the defense just ran out of gas. But this game, you know, D'Amico Ryan had talked. We had talked to him all week. He said the attempt some explosive plays. The Texans had to know that coming into the game. Yet on the first play of the game, what did Joe Flacco do? Ran a play action fake and hit Amari Cooper for a 53 yard gain, and and that was that kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen. And uh, going into this game, they didn't have C.J. Stroud, their best quarterback. They started Chase Keenum, and the one thing that the Texans couldn't do versus Browns, who had the number one ranked defense in the NFL and pass defense was they couldn't get down behind because there was no way that they're going to make this miraculous comeback versus Browns who have been who have made even the MVP candidates this season look bad. And and that's what happened. They got down uh 7-0 early and it compounded 22 to 7 at halftime and um on offense and you know Case Keenum got pressured uh got stacked three times but he felt like he was pressured a ton more and they had to abandon the running game, which was working a little bit. Uh, Devin Singletary had about 47 yards. But, you know, when you get down like that and you don't have your best player, then that's what that was the result. 36-7, I thought 
Well, I also thought, I don't know how you thought about there, but I also thought D'Amico should have probably went to uh, Davis Mills a little bit earlier than he did. It all went to late in the fourth quarter. I don't know how much of a chance they would have, but it would have been, it would have been a, it would have been a little bit closer, I felt. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even so much about the arm in that sense. Um, I mean, I get that once you're behind a little bit, you want to, you're going to throw it a, you know, a bit more. I was much more of questioning the game plan in general because clearly they saw something in the Browns that made them want to put Davis Mills into the game. He didn't play at all the week before when Stroud was out, and it let Case Keenum run the show throughout the game. But they ran Davis Mills in for like two or three plays in the first half, and I was like, I was weird. Like, why would you put him in just for those plays, particularly the plays that they ran? A read option was the first one. It was like, well, it's not like Davis Mills is, you know, some super stud running quarterback, even though he did run one in for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. That was a pretty impressive run. I'll give him credit for that. But they had to have seen something that they wanted him there. And then late in the second, late in the second quarter, about two minutes to go, they had Keenan got sacked, so they had a third and thirteen, and they just gave up on the on the series of downs and ran a little simple handoff to punt the ball. And I'm like, if you're not going to try to get a first down on third and thirteen when you're down a couple touchdowns and you can put together a drive to close the lead before the half, then you don't have confidence in your quarterback. And when you don't have confidence in your quarterback, then yeah, you need to put the other one in. And so I was shocked that Keenum started the second half. I really expected Davis Mills then, but he didn't come in until the fourth quarter when the game was out of reach. Like you say, that means they would have won, but certainly appears they would have had a better chance to win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, that, and they prepared both as if they were going to play. So, you know, I thought it would have been, uh, you know, last week they were trying to fool the uh, Titans by not revealing who the starter was going to be. I thought they could have did something similar with Davis Mills. You could the talent level is now. I understand why they wanted Case Keenum against the Titans. He had been through situations like that before, so he was calm. But it was on the road, you know, and you and and really, you know, he, he, they would never admit it. But realistically, in their mind, I'm sure they were thinking the only way we should lose this is to turn it over, and we we can't risk that. The game is too important, and so it worked. But you're right, back home, Mills would have been more comfortable, man, and that. Cleveland defensive front puts on so much pressure. They get after the quarterback, and Case Keenum is not a guy that's going to get away from that. No, absolutely. And then when you get down, there's, there was just no way they were going to come back unless the, the defense just had a superhuman effort and and turned uh, Joe Flacco over. And and, I, and when Jonathan Grenard uh, went down in the first quarter, they really stood no chance because they got no pass rush. They barely got any pass rush on Joe Flacco. And, you know, they were already missing Will Anderson Jr., and and it and Brown just kind of carved them up after that. Yeah, the the lack of pass rush certainly at the start of it, but at the end of those plays, Amari Cooper was just running wild in the secondary. He had he tied a record for the most receiving yards ever against the Texans, the two hundred and sixty five yards. I mean, he was just he just did whatever he wanted to whoever was covering him, and he made you know the, the idea that. You would let Amari Cooper get deep on you that often. That's that's not what the, the Texans defense is designed to do. It's designed to stop those kind of plays. Yeah, and I, I think there were some fault by the coaching staff, and I think Amari Cooper made some great plays. Like there were a couple of catches on Derek Stingley that I thought Amari Cooper was just like he looked like an elite player. 
And it was almost like, what do you do at that point? But I thought the first play of the game where Cooper got in between Steven Nelson and Jimmy Ward, like somebody has to has to play a little bit better on that one. I also thought the 75-yard catch to D'Angelo Ross, I thought that, I don't know if that was on the coaching staff or it should have been over the top. I know that the Browns ran a really good play, but there's no way D'Angelo Ross, who hadn't played a defensive series all year, I know he came in for Steven Nelson because he was out of the game at that point. There was no way he should be a one-on-one on Amari Cooper. And the Browns took advantage of that. He he got to meet him. D'Angelo Ross, bless his heart, fell down on the play, tried to do all he could. And they've got injuries and stuff, but, you know, you're right. They had, guys out there who hadn't been on defense, they've just only played special teams during the season. So, I mean, it, it's a tough situation to be in. When you, and, yeah, they practice just like everyone else, but they haven't had any live bullets in any game action. Uh, so, yeah, that that's a tough design. I do know that, I mean, you see the debate on – on X with people like, oh, man, you got to take Stingley and put him all over the field against their best receiver. Well, you can't just do that in the middle of a game. You know, you, it, it's, it, that, that's not the design of their defense. That's not, that's not the defense they run. That, 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 it, it will be almost as silly as if you run, you know, a certain type of offense, uh, and, and, you know, you run a power offense, and then all of a sudden, middle of the game, you go, you know what? Let's switch to the West Coast offense. Uh, no, you can't. You can't just do that. You can't do stuff that you haven't practiced because you can put everybody in. You, you want to put players in positions to succeed, and that would be putting other players in positions where they can't succeed. And and, and it, it doesn't necessarily make you any better if you put Stingley running around with the best receiver in a situation like that because. Those other guys are not playing on the side of the field they haven't played on in a position they haven't been in against, even if it is against a number two or three receiver, they're at a disadvantage. I mean, it's just, it sounds good, but that's, and it's just not the design of their defense. You can't change your defensive design in the middle of a game. Exactly. They, and those guys just had to play better. But, you know, D'Amico doesn't switch sides because those guys play the entire game and you you have guys following guys around the, the field and, and that messes up communication issues as well. Uh, so he didn't want to overextend his. He doesn't overextend. He doesn't want to overextend his players, and that's why he keeps his players on one side. But you're right. Like you can't just change up the game plan. Something that you haven't worked on all season in the middle of the game, hoping that it will work. That probably would have been even worse. Yeah, I mean, think about it. And think about it, even 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 for Stingley. Yeah, we know he's a hell of a talent, and he can cover anybody. And he would he would gladly take on that challenge. But we're down to the guy who's been standing on one side of the field for hundreds and hundreds of snaps this season <laughs> to, to, to throw him over on the other side. Uh, you, you know, it's, he's not a fish out of water. He's still on the football field, but it, your techniques and everything is quite a bit different depending on where you are. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't even necessarily like, like Stephen Nelson, when he was in the game, he did a, a, a solid enough job. I, I thought the Browns did a great job of getting Amari Cooper on the slide and now mismatches uh with a lot of people and, and he beat their zone. He even got like sticking on a couple of one-on-one. Like I thought Cooper was just playing at an elite level. I thought Joe Flacco too was just throwing the ball. He was like, not missing anything, was he? He was throwing it exactly where it needed to be. Like hit the, the windows that he was hitting on were so small. It was, he looked like the Joe Flacco of the, of the Super Bowl Ravens team. Like that's how good he was. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that there was, you know, they could have played a lot better defense as a team in their zone. 
and that would have helped him out. But, you know, sending Stingley and having to follow Cooper wasn't going to wasn't gonna do them any justice. Now, there's, there's possibility could have run some more blitz packages, especially, like you said, once Gradard was out and they realized they weren't getting any pressure because the Browns weren't running the ball. So they, they shut down the running game, which should have given them a hint. And, and Flacco, as well as he played, I mean, I think we might be overdoing it a little bit if he played well for a guy who was sitting on his couch a month ago. But, you know, he still – they did get a couple of interceptions off of him. And then he wasn't – he didn't have like a crazy great completion percentage. It's just he hit so many big plays. And it seems that they were – you know, they, they just got the plays that they needed when they needed them. And, and there was there was never any – it just didn't seem like the Texans ever got a good feel for how to shut them down. I mean, there was There was just a stretch where – Cleveland just was moving the ball pretty regularly. I don't even know if they had a three and out in the game. They may have had one, but because uh, they they were they were managing to move the chains and, and controlling the game from start to finish, and it's a heck of a lot easier to control the game when the team you're playing against is just they weren't three and outs, but they were Texans were not getting a lot of yards. <laughs> like through, through through the first three quarters, the longest drive they had was 28 yards. I mean, so they were, they were not moving the ball at all, not putting any kind of threat on the Browns' defense, and were getting sacked pretty regularly. And it was just it was just an overall failure of the offense to really help. It, it, the defense didn't play well, but the offense gave zero help until the game was out of reach. Yeah, but by then it was too late. Um, I, I, I do think that the Texans, you know, it showed that they definitely need C.J. Stroud back because C.J. Stroud is able to do some things that a lot of other quarterbacks can't do. He can put teams on his back. I, I don't think their their issues are completely – I, I still think they do miss Tink Dell tremendously. Um, he was just that other threat. I, I think that the, the Texans would be a lot more dangerous in the playoffs if they had that. But we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, Nico Collins is getting back healthy. Um, Schultz get, is healthy again now. Yeah, Schultz is, is healthier. Um Noah you know, Brown made a couple of plays, and he hadn't done that in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, and 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 I mean, even Robert Woods, who did some things earlier, uh, was back and made a couple couple of catches. So, and all of those players get better when CJ Stroud is, is under center. So, what what is the latest on CJ? Yeah, so I know CJ he he attended the team meeting for the first time since suffering a concussion Friday. So that means he's at least in in phase two of the protocol. They allow you to attend team meetings when you're in phase two. So uh, obviously he was dealing with symptoms up until that point. So that's a good sign. Um, you know, I'd expect him to potentially practice on Wednesday in a in a limited capacity. And if all continues to go well, he doesn't have any setbacks from from here. He he could potentially play on Sunday. I I think that's definitely a possibility. I think the fact that he's he's progressed in the in the concussion protocol is a good sign and and as long as he doesn't have any setbacks, he could have a limited practice, a non-contact practice on Wednesday, could have a contact practice on Friday, on Thursday, and then Friday, when he could be cleared by an independent doctor and then play on Sunday. Um, I think, you know, this whole time, you know, I've reported that the injury wasn't expected to be super serious. So I think that there's a good chance that he could play Sunday as long as he doesn't have any setbacks. Yeah, it, it was almost certain that he was going to miss two weeks once the way the concussion goes down and that and that's what happens with the majority of players and certainly quarterbacks um there, there are times that it's only one week but it, it's a rare thing and 
with him not even spending almost two weeks before he even got to go to a team meeting. It was, it was, it was a, it was an injury that was gonna that was gonna take a couple of weeks. But getting back before this week is is a good sign in that sense. What about uh, other injuries? As I mentioned earlier, by the end of the first quarter, Texas played with five defensive starters out of the game. Two of them didn't play at all. Blake Cashman and Will Anderson. Are those two expected to be back this week? And what about everybody else? Yeah, I think those guys will, will come back before the end of the season. I don't know about this week, um, but I know those guys are definitely getting better. And the Texans expected those guys to come back before the end of the season as well, um, which is why they didn't put them on the IR. Um, otherwise, you would have saw that. So I think it's potential that those guys could come back either this week or next week for the end of the season. Um, I do think CJ is a little bit closer, though. Well, we got... Will Anderson and Cashman, you said you, you not sure about this week, but they'll definitely be back for by Indianapolis the last game of the season or or playoffs, as it were. But uh, what about the other guys who went down? Yeah, Jonathan Grenard. Jonathan Grenard is 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 a guy that, who I think he tried to give it a go during the middle of the game. So to me, I think that it doesn't seem like his injury is too long term. You have to worry about Jimmy Ward, quad injury. He didn't come back at all. So he might be a little bit of a longer, um, you know, injury. And uh, Steven Nelson, the fact that he could come back to the game um, means that he'll probably um, be available this week. So we'll see how it goes. It, it really depends on how, how they go in practice this week and how, and how they respond to it. Um, so, But if they're losing those those guys, those are some of your best players. Uh, John Hart leaves the team. It sacks this season. Of course, we know what C. Drought is. Um, Steven Nelson been one of their better cover corners. Uh, Jimmy Wards, he's been out all year with various injuries, um, but you know he's one of their leaders and he's better than their their backup options. So they're going to have to those guys behind them are are going to have to step up. I think it's interesting though. Um, one thing we didn't mention: Jalen Petrie appeared to get um, bitched there in the game, and, and that, that's a that's a huge development. Yeah, because he was one of their team captains. Earlier this year, we saw his playmaking ability last year. Of course, he had, uh, you know, some instances where he missed tackles last year. Um, but this year, it just kind of seems like he's been kind of uh, off and on as far as he's kind of bitten on a lot of double moves and, and been set deep plays. I think that was a, a play with DeAndre Hopkins uh, two weeks ago, the Titans, where it's fortunate that DeAndre Hopkins dropped the ball or it would have been a touchdown, and that could have been an entirely different game. Um, two weeks ago, and then he, I think he was in on the play with Amari Cooper of yards. He, he might have been, he was on that side. He was a single high safety, and he might have should have been over the top. He, did, he didn't get there, right. And, he, and that might have been the reason why he wasn't playing. D'Amico said they, they were rotating safeties, but you don't rotate. <laughs> yeah, well, that was his diplomatic answer as a, as a coach give for benching a player. Like, that. Oh, we use a lot of players in that position. Well, yeah, we know, but there's what there's reason that guy's a starter because he's the best one, and there's a reason he didn't play toward the end, you know, much of the second half because clearly he wasn't getting the job done, and it was not not for an injury. Jalen Petrie is an interesting case. He's an aggressive player. He likes to be around the ball. He's a heck of a run stopper for particularly for a guy's size, but just for any safety, he, he'll step in and take on hits. In coverage, he can be gotten to in teams of. Tried, started trying to figure out ways to get him isolated out there or, or make him bite on plays. And 
he likes to pay attention to what's going on in the backfield because he makes plays at the line of scrimmage. Even you know, what I mean, he'll he'll plug a hole like a linebacker. But on Sunday, they needed him back, stop yelping, you know, in coverage, and he wasn't clearly wasn't getting the job done. I I expect a lot of that to be handled during the week in terms of motivating him and getting together um, and having him having learned a lesson of them and you have to run the defense as it's called and play the techniques that you've been taught. Otherwise you're not going to play. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's just, he's a guy who, who likes to take chances and, and that seems to have been hurting uh, the Texans at times. So, you know, I think Lovey had to do that to him last year too. Um, but then he was a rookie at that time. So you think he, you know, learned by now in the second year. So, you know, I, I expect him to play next week. I don't know if he'll start, but, you know, I expect it to be a learning lesson for their team, one of the team captains. I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start. I mean, like, I think, you know, I think he, he, he'll he get the message. And unless he sucks during this week, as opposed to come back this week and practice harder and tougher and let the coaches know that, you know, he understands what was going on and he'll be ready. Because they're going to need him. That's the thing. These, these, these are not the kind of games that you can mess around and you know and let slide. Let's dive into that a little bit. Two games left for the Texans, but the, the current playoff standings, as it were, um, we we've got a little clarity over the weekend. Uh, one fortunate thing for the Texans and Texans fans is everybody in the AFC South lost, so they didn't lose any ground there at all. They're still tied in a three-way tie with the Titans and the Colts. I mean, uh, the Jaguars and the Colts for first place in the division. Um, if the Jaguars were to lose one of the last two games, the Texans win out, they win the division, not just make the playoffs as a wild card. If the Texans just win their last two games, they're in as a wild card because as we look at it now, there's four teams at eight and seven that are vying for that last spot currently. Um, in the playoffs and the Texans have beaten two of them, Steelers and the Bengals. And the other one is the Colts and they can knock them out of that tie with a win at Indianapolis in the season finale. So it's again, as bad as they played and as tough a loss as they just took, they still control their own destiny. Yeah. They still control their own destiny. It's, it's crazy to think that they could win the AFC South. I'm looking at the, <laughs> Yeah, the Jaguars don't have a tough schedule, but the Jaguars have been losing everybody lately. So, <laughs> if, the, if the Jaguars lose any one of these last two games versus the Carolina Panthers and the Titans, then whoever wins the division between the Texans and the Colts deserve it. The Jaguars should, eat, regardless of whether Trevor Lawrence is playing, they should be able to win. Um, but ja- Jacksonville have lost four games in a row. So they, they've been trying to throw the division as best they can. Yes, they they've been trying and uh, they they can mess they can mess around and not even make the playoffs if they lose to one of these last two games, which is crazy. Um, but uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has been dealing with number of injuries, concussion, ankle injury. Now it's a shoulder injury. So, you know, that is the one good thing about as far as the Texans goes that the Jaguars and the Colts lost this week. So if they're still win the last two games and they control their own destiny and they can get into the playoffs. So they got to win. We'll, we'll we'll learn a lot about the Texans. Are they good enough? Because Titans game is is a division game, so you know it's going to be tough, but it's winnable. And it's at home. And the Texans haven't lost two in a row since week two of the season, so they they tend to bounce back and play well after defeat. So I I'd be shocked if they don't come out you know 
with a with a different energy uh, against against the ex wife, the Titans slash Oilers. Exactly, and then if you get you get CJ Stroud back in time to this game, it's it's something that the Titans haven't really prepared for. So that'll give them a little bit of an advantage too. And then the final game against the Colts will be for everything. So you better win that game because that's going to be the game that determines who gets into the playoffs. Um, so you know if the Texans really want it, they'll win these last two games. Um, and I, I think it's I think it's certainly possible because, you know, I'm not too confident in how the Colts in their quarterback situation. Garner Minshew, I think, has played well, but he doesn't uh, strike me as a game changer. I think it's possible that they that they um, that they lose one of these two games as well. Yeah, Minshew was talking about how the Texans have bounced back from losses. Well, Minshew is very up and down, and he's you know he. He, he sometimes is, as we say. And so, like, in their, in their last three weeks, they, like the last four weeks, let's do it that way, they scored 31 points in a win, then scored 14 in a loss, then scored 30 in a win, and then just scored 10 in a loss here the other day. No, the difference was, I mean, and that's, when, when you're scoring 10 or 14 points, you're not going to win NFL games. I mean, granted, unless you play the Patriots. <laughs> They did beat the Patriots ten to six a few weeks ago, but uh, so they they're up and down. But but he can be on and he can get hot. So um, it'll it'll be it, it, this won't be an auto or any kind of automatic for the Texans at all. And and it'll be about that game because even if um, the uh, Colts lose to the Raiders this week, it'll still come down to them, the Texans, in the next game, most likely. Yeah, because yeah, it's up. The Colts have a little bit of an advantage, but I do think that that first game that the um, Texans played, I think they weren't prepared for Minch carving up. So I think they have a better chance, but they got to worry about this week, and, and that's the tight end. So well, I don't know who they'll start. Whether I don't know if Will Levis will be back or it'll be Ryan Tannehill again, but it's a game that you know they lost at. At uh at NRG Stadium last year, but this is a much different team. So, like you said, they haven't lost a game in a row uh, since that week one. So, yeah. and, they, and the, the, the win at the Titans, I mean, the game was close. And, I mean, it could could have easily gone either way. I mean, it wasn't they didn't run away with it, but that was on the road. That was with Case Keenum at quarterback, and, and quite a few other injuries there too. It, the Texans are better; should be a better team this Saturday, uh, Sunday, than they were couple weeks ago when they were in Nashville so um they should be they're the favorite for this game and they should be and they should be able to have, take care of business because it there's I mean it's an important game it's the most important game of the season now they're going to tell you any game is the most important game but these really are the, this really is the most important game now uh because of the because of their, their situation and how it breaks down I, I haven't even looked at the percentages on how they changed um the percentage of when you run all the simulation from the computers that do it, but I I do know that um, when in your end, it's it's not that complicated for the Texans. I mean, the tough part for them I think will be not overlooking the Titans, and it, and it's easy to say oh they won't overlook them because the game's so big so important, but you know they they you're gonna they're gonna have a whole different attitude of comfort. This week, like, all right, our man C.J. Stroud is back. Now, now we're back to who we can be when we're at our best. Uh, it, it's you got to do it. You can't just talk it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a 
So uh, I'm looking at the playoff simulator right now. They have a 33% chance to make the playoffs. But if they beat the Titans, they have a 46% chance. And that's, you know, that's a pick em game, Titans versus Colts. That'll be decided for the playoffs if they can beat the Titans. So, yeah. so, But, yeah, they got to do it with um, C.J. Stroud. You know, the hope for the Texans is that C.J. Stroud will be healthy if he does play. And um, and um, if he can, if they can get back to where they were before he went out, um, before that Jets game in particular, um, which they should be if they have all their receivers um, in a week of preparation, then they should be, you know, able to handle business. Indeed. All right. That'll wrap up this episode of Fifth Down. And we'll talk about whether they handle business against the Titans in next week's episode. Thanks to Jonathan Alexander. Check all of, all of his work covering the Texans. He finally got one day off for Christmas. <laughs> He's back at it every day from here until the season is over uh, at HoustonChronicle.com. My columns are there as well. Thanks to Pioneer Audio for producing Fifth Down Podcast. And we'll see you next time here on Fifth Down.